The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information on the National Committee, visit us at www.ncuscr.org or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Weibo. Good afternoon. This is Steve Orleans, President of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and today I'm joined by Ken Jarrett. Ken is an old friend who I met first when he was consul general in Shanghai. Um, He had, at that point, was at the tail end of a very successful career, 26-year career in the U.S. Foreign Service. He then retired in August 2008, um, joined APCO, and then from APCO became president of the United the the Shanghai Chamber the American Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai. So let me welcome Ken. And um, now the chamber has got how many U.S. companies as members now? Sixteen hundred and fifty. Sixteen hundred and fifty. Wow. And you survey their attitudes towards Mm -hmm. business in China, and you completed one early this year. Uh, Tell us about the survey and what it tells you about American Mm -hmm. attitudes towards uh, investing in China? Well, the survey is one of our most important documents that we put out each year. And before getting into the results, a bit of background on the survey. We've been doing it for over 16 years. This year we had 406 companies participated, a good mix of companies from the manufacturing and services sector, most of whom had been in the market for a long time. Uh, the focus of the survey is chiefly on its on performance metrics as well as how the companies view the market. And when I say view the market, I mean how they view operating in the market, uh, including uh, the lack or the, the state of transparency or regulatory environment, uh, the challenges that they face. Uh, so maybe beginning with the performance metrics, is that a good way that to, would be start? A great place yeah. to start? Uh, because I think it's uh, in talking about uh, the situation for American business in China, if you look at the headlines, I think you would uh, conclude that things are very grim for companies, and it's important to augment those headlines actually with some data from surveys, because the survey numbers are more encouraging than the headlines suggest. Uh, even if most of the performance metrics are trending downward the last few years, and this year was no exception, uh, overall the numbers are holding up fairly well. Uh, so to give some examples, uh, 61% of our member companies had growing revenue. Uh, this was a drop from the previous year of 75%. Uh, 71% were profitable, which is a slight drop from the previous year of 73%. But that 71% figure actually does compare favorably to the global profitability levels of companies on a global uh, across the globe. So uh, overall, uh, profitability levels are not quite that high. Uh, 81% of companies... So, so 29% were, not, were break-even or losing? Uh, or more more of them were actually... Uh, they would be losing money. Losing. Yeah, right. Uh, so I don't know exactly how much they might have been losing right. because we don't okay. get into that level of detail. Um, in terms of investment levels, because this is also a, a big focus of attention uh, these days in terms of our companies increasing their investment or not. And 81% are still investing into China or growing their investments. But what's important to understand about that figure 
is that the increases of investment are smaller than in the past. So in most cases, the increase investment is in the 1% to 15% range. Right. And what was it in the previous year? So it would be uh, certainly over 20 would have been uh, more common, so anywhere in the 20 to 50% range. And what was the percentage of companies increasing their investment in the previous year? Uh, that I have to go to some of my reference pages to see if I can find that while we're talking. Uh, uh, that, well, that would be interesting yeah. to know if, if folks are scaling down their, well, their investment. They're clearly scaling right, down. scaling down. The in question, absolute right, numbers. The right. question is, it, is it even more companies that are investing, fewer, or we don't know? Um, well, in terms of the, I mean, the 81%, I mean, that wasn't so... I'll see if I can find that while we're talking. Uh, I think it wasn't that big of a drop. I mean, it's a bit of a drop, but the main change was that, uh, so for example, uh, this this year, 56% were investing in the 1% to 15% range in terms of increased investment, Mm -hmm. and the previous year, only 39% were in that particular bucket. 39% of the 81%. Right, right. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and then I guess the last sort of figure I'll share with you uh, is that in terms of long-term outlook, each year we ask companies if they're feeling optimistic or slightly optimistic about the five-year outlook for China. And 80% still have a optimistic five-year outlook. So that's a blended figure of both optimistic and slightly optimistic. Mm-hmm. Over the last couple of years, uh, there's been some shifts of from optimism, optimistic to slightly optimistic. Mm-hmm. So it's a slightly weaker blended figure. Um, and that figure is compared to 85% uh, from the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sounds like there's a correlation between those who are increasing their investment and those who are optimistic. My guess is it's probably the same companies. Uh, quite possibly. Um, but for the data overall, if you start to look by industry breakdown, uh, the industry that's hurting the most would be the manufacturing sector. So this is the area, uh, for obvious reasons, the slowdown in the Chinese economy, the high costs, the greater competition, in some cases industrial policy. Uh, The manufacturers are uh, looking more at cost savings in terms of headcount reductions. So 20% of them uh, plan to reduce their headcount this year, even if you look at the... This is more in the heavy manufacturing? Is there... Do you distinguish between the heavy and the light? Uh, we look – so we do have a breakdown by specific uh, industries. Mm-hmm. So I could look at data for healthcare or auto uh, manufacturing. Right. I don't have those figures uh, at my fingertips. Manu- but oh, Healthcare, you mean like well, pharma companies? Right, right, or devices, for example. Right. Devices, where you would assume they're – it's still increasing. Well, that would, that's actually a, one of the more positive industries, right. right. So healthcare, healthcare in general is – Medical devices. Right. But it would be the so the more traditional industrial manufacturers; those would be the ones that are suffering because the the part of the economy that's slowing down is uh, the The construction industry, heavy industry, mining, metallurgy, Mm -hmm. things of that sort. Mm -hmm. What's the greatest concern in the survey uh, voiced by U.S. companies? Uh, The number one concern. It depends exactly on how you ask the question. So we ask the question different ways. I would say the greatest concern is probably just the slowdown in the economy. Now, if you're asking about specific challenges, that generates a slightly different list. Mm -hmm. And so for companies, the greatest concern actually 
is still human resources yeah. issues, just it's recruiting for, for, for several years. for many years. And that's true. When is the last time it was not human resources? Because everybody, when I'm asked that question frequently in the United mm-hmm. States, I say it's human resources. And people look at me askance saying, you mean it's not government interference? I say, no, it's human resources. No, I think at least for five years yeah. it's been at the top of the list. And it's not just our survey. If you look at the various surveys of other organizations in China, uh, human resources is always at the top. And then usually a close second is the cost of doing business, which actually links back to human resources, because if you ask what exactly, what costs are you concerned about, Mm -hmm. it's the labor cost. And then after those, that's when you get into some of the other areas. Could be uh, transparency of the regulatory regime. For us this year, uh, number three was the basket of Internet-related issues, which refers to... What was two? uh, So two was uh, cost, the cost of doing business. Uh, but internet, meaning uh, dealing with the firewall, uh, access or speed, or questions about uh, data localization. Um, for, so for for more companies, particularly for smaller companies that are more dependent on the internet, or if you're involved in e-commerce, and particularly if you're relying on websites outside of China, uh, this has become a major and, and headache. Kind of slowness, inability to access certain materials. Right. It's those. It's do you break down what in the, what, what uh, kind of mattered within the internet? Well, not so we have a. I mean, we uh, not exactly. I mean, there is a, a list of areas that we know are on the minds of companies, but we don't ask within that question: is it is it speed, or is it the firewall, or is it data localization policies? We don't ask specifically uh, those questions. Uh, so I would have to, I guess, next year when we do the survey next year. It, that's it, something it, you to know explore. when I travel. You know, I use a VPN, so so accessing data is not it, mm-hmm. but slowness is is a uh, is a serious issue. Right. So for those, you know, because for smaller companies, if they're relying on Gmail or any of the Google services, you know, this is something that's not accessible except via VPN. Mm-hmm. And then your ability to rely on a VPN can be checkered. You know, we saw during the National People's Congress this past uh, in March that they shut down the VPNs for 10 days. Right. Uh, so that was actually a pretty long stretch of time to be without mm-hmm. a VPN if you're reliant on it. Mm-hmm. Now, there are other institutions that, there are other trade associations that mm-hmm. do similar surveys. Right. Talk about the differences in the results mm-hmm. and why those differences you think exist. Right. Uh, so, so some of the other better-known surveys, so the American Chamber of Commerce uh, in China, uh, the Beijing-based chamber has one, the U.S.-China Business Council, the European Chamber has one. And the main difference would be, so one difference would be the optimism index. So this is one where, uh, so our survey is probably at the top of the optimism level. If you look at the European survey, uh, that one tends to be much lower, maybe as much as 20 points lower than ours. Now, this might reflect uh, the fact that Americans tend to have a more optimistic outlook than Europeans. But otherwise, I mean, that's in some ways the best explanation I can give. To some degree, uh, the way the question is put might affect the answer. So the European survey, I think they ask a two-year projection. Well, so, so they we ask five be years. more in the manufacturing sector perhaps, than we are. Perhaps, yeah. and Then if you compare AmCham China to AmCham Shanghai, uh, these actually should be the closest in terms of results because there's a lot of overlap in the membership. And I would say that most of the core numbers actually are very close. So for investment intentions, uh, profitability, you know, how many are profitable, those all track. But our members are still a bit more optimistic in their outlook 
than AmCham China. And my explanation for why that might be the case is a bit based on the demographics of the membership, sure. where uh, for AmCham China, you know, the membership, uh, even if there's the same companies, the, the members tend to be uh, heavily uh, geared toward corporate affairs work, government relations, sure. uh, dealing with the central government in Beijing is a tough task that could make anybody pessimistic. <laughs> and then our members tend to be the business unit uh, heads. Yeah. And if you're out there running much businesses... More, you have much more operating right, kind of right, base, and they right. have a much more government relations base of membership. Right. Yeah. Has your view of China changed since you left the U.S. government? It's now been uh, eight years hmm. that you've been out. Has, has kind of hmm. deal, not dealing with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs or the Y bonds throughout China, has it changed your view of China? Well, I would say that I'm st- – uh, so I continue to learn different things about China. So in that sense, whether it's a change of view or it's filling out my view of China, maybe that's the best way to describe it. And I'd have to say I haven't escaped the Y bonds or the foreign affairs offices entirely because they are everywhere. Yes. And even in the commercial world, if I'm dealing with the various parts of MAFCOM around the country, they all have their, MAF, their, their foreign affairs office entities as well. And I still deal with the foreign affairs offices, uh, particularly in the Yangtze River Delta. Um, in terms of, I guess over the last few years, uh, what it has left me with is a keener appreciation of, of the challenges of running a business in China. Uh, to run a business successfully in China you know, has always been tough. And, you know, and the current environment is no different in that regard. This may be getting a little bit tougher, but it, it definitely is tough. Uh, but I still sense you know, a strong uh, interest in American companies, uh, a welcoming attitude toward U.S. investment. Uh, the question of you know, what is the atmosphere in China toward foreign investment, you know, this is a subject of much discussion in China these days as companies feel as though they're less welcome. And that does reflect, you know, the the economic changes as well as some industrial policies. And for a foreign company, it's true to say you're not as special as you might have been 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Uh, but even if uh, companies feel a, a less welcome, it is still a place that's rich with opportunities. And in that sense, even among our members, you know, despite all of the current challenges, I don't detect any interest or any, any serious interest in leaving companies are still committed right. to the market. Any uh, evidence companies are leaving in the survey? Uh, so in our case, uh, numbers are very small. In fact, we didn't specifically ask the reshoring question this year. We had asked it for several years. So this actually is a difference between our survey and AmCham China, where that question was, they, AmCham China asked the question, are you considering moving part of your business outside of China? And I think the response was about 25%. And which is a pretty significant number, and whether or not that was thinking of moving a part of it, right? So I think so. You have to pay close attention to the way the question was asked. And then in our case, for several years, we had asked specifically if you were going to shut down operations and move to Southeast Asia or uh, elsewhere, or back to the United States. And in each year, for both Southeast Asia and the United States, the number had been under five percent. So this year, we didn't even ask the question. Uh, We might restore that next year. Well, there's right. a diverse, one is a diversification right. issue, and right. one is actually a closure right. issue, which is which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Just one last question: Can folks listening to this access the the survey? Uh, yes, so it's, and, uh, so and it's ha- on our website, uh, www.amcam-shanghai.org, and you can download the full survey as 
well as even a presentation we prepared on it in both Chinese and English. Great. So we've got it. I think we've about run out of time. These are supposed to be fifteen minutes, and we've reached the fifteen minute mark. But been great having you、mm-hmm. here, Ken. You were one of the.、Uh, The National Committee's great friends in China. I can't count the number of delegations that Ken has has hosted over these many many years. We'll send more. We will. We'll, thank you so much for being with us、yeah. today. A pleasure to be with you.